0: empty, My cupboards bare
2: Call me illogical I just don't care Hey, hey, hey It's just a sunny day Hey, hey, hey It's, a it's just a sunny day
0: it's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Medes on KSL News Radio.
1: Good morning, and thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. We'll be taking your calls in just a few minutes. You can call us at 801 575 8255. Phone lines are open. You can also text us your questions at 57500. Last week, Ton, we got a ton of people asking questions about their fruit trees and problems with their fruit trees. So we wanted to spend just a few minutes at the top of the 9 o'clock hour here talking about some of the problems people are seeing and what they can do about them.
2: Yeah, the major fruit trees that we've been getting a lot of calls on are peaches and sweet cherries. And those are stone fruits. And so when you eat an apricot or a plum or a cherry or peach or nectarine, the pit in the middle that group of fruit are actually fairly closely related and we call them the stone fruits. Mm -hmm. And many of our stone fruits are native to areas in Asia that they can get cold, but when it warms up, it stays warm and we don't get the fluctuations of hot, cold, hot, cold that we do in the spring. And then these areas also in the fall are less prone. Like we've been over the last four or five years to, going from the eighties and low nineties and three weeks later being below freezing. And that's been happening quite commonly. And because the stone fruits take a long time to go dormant in the fall, they get hit midstream and they're not quite dormant. And what will happen is we'll go from the seventies or eighties. And let's say we have a 40 degree day with a 22 low and the sap that's in the conductive tissue freezes and it, as it expands, it bursts a lot of cells in the conductive tissue and you don't see this immediately. But the next year, like what we've been seeing with peaches and sweet cherries is that they will oftentimes leaf out normally. And a month later, the tree just collapses and dies or it becomes very heavily damaged. And it's because the tree isn't able when it starts to warm up, especially to move enough water and nutrients through the conductive tissue to the top of the canopy and those branches then start to die off because mm-hmm. of the d- damage to conduct conductive tissue. And so when we're seeing heavy damage in those trees, it's most likely due to this. And then also drought stress from the previous year didn't help because there was many places on water restrictions and those trees were being watered with a lawn maybe once a week. And the roots were dried out. The tree didn't have enough water internally to overwinter well. And again, the result is as heavily damaged or dead trees the next year.
1: Yeah, When we have environmental uh, conditions like this, are there things that people can do to maybe minimize damage to their fruit trees?
2: Well, they need to stop fertilizing In the early July, they need to be done so that the tree, any new growth that the tree has grown has time to go into dormancy because the tree has to be able to mature that wood, the newly generated branches, and it takes two or three months. And so if you're forcing that tree to shoot a lot of new growth in August and September, all that new growth is highly likely to be frozen the next, you know, the next, by the next spring, because the tree didn't have time to harden it. No hard pruning in past about mid June on the tree because pruning stimulates growth and delays dormancy. That's another thing we can do. And then in the fall, you need to make sure that your fruit trees are watered. You know, if your irrigation gets cut off, in mid-September, early October, and there's still green leaves on the tree, you may need to get a hose and sprinkler and water under the trees until the leaves start to turn yellow or orange for the fall. And then you can start to cut it off. Mm -hmm. But through the summer, if the trees are in the lawn twice a month, maybe go out with a hose and sprinkler and water under the canopy of the tree for an extra half hour to 45 minutes. If the trees are irrigated on their own make sure that you're irrigating every seven to 10 days to a depth of 18 to 24 inches deep into the soil and if you'll do these things the trees have a lot better chance of having enough nutrients and enough water to overwinter normally but the dormancy thing if it's late September the trees are still green and all of a sudden we drop into the 20s or even the 30s and where it's cold enough to freeze the leaves there's not much you can do about that. Um, Commercially, some of the orchards will put on desiccants to make the trees drop their leaves earlier to force them into dormancy. Mm. And so we don't see as much damage in commercial orchards, but home orchards, that's the one thing that you can't offset. But if the tree has proper nutrition and proper irrigation, it's far more likely to be able to recover.
1: It seems like when we get calls like this, they all come in at once. Like, and it make, makes me wonder, Did the signs, I mean, aren't there signs before the tree is actually having problems? Do you know what I mean? Before it actually gets to the point where.
2: Well, these calls we've been getting saying, well, the fruit on my tree is only the size of a walnut and it's shriveled. But the tree looks good. Well, even though the tree might look good, that fruit that didn't develop is a sign that the tree isn't getting watered properly. It needs to be deep irrigated more often. And again, I'll point to the commercial orchards that never have this problem because they're watering correctly. And so there are signs like that, you know, are you lacking fruit development? Are some, even though the tree looks pretty good, are leaves dropping from the tree in July and August? You know, and so there's subtle signs to look for. But oftentimes when a tree really starts to look stressed and damaged, it's 50 or 75 percent dead. And you've got to watch ahead of time and do that preventative, you know, those preventative measures to make sure that it stays as healthy as
1: possible. It just seems so unusual that suddenly we get a flood of calls, but that tree had to be showing some signs of this before now.
2: Yes. And I, I wonder if our listeners like, Oh my gosh, I've got that problem too. I should call in. And we do get many calls on the same topic, but, you know, talking to Sheridan Hansen and JD, you know, who are based out of Logan and Kaysville, they've been seeing a lot of the same problems. And up in Logan, JD told me that even the Hardy peaches, there were many of them that were just dead. And there was nothing they could do about it because in addition to the early fall, they got down to 25 or 30 below for a couple of nights and the stone fruits just won't withstand that.
1: Right. Okay. We have put an article up. Was there something you needed to add? Did we cover Uh, it? I've got
2: a peach tree fact sheet going up and I'm going to try to put together or have Michelle put together an article later this week that we can post more specifically what we talked about.
1: All right. And you can see uh, the article that we put up on the, Greenhouse page. Let me rephrase that. If you want more information, we have put an article up now on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. And you can call us this morning. Our phone lines are open at 801-575-8255 or text us five seven
0: I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985.
1: Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you this morning. You can give us a call at 801-575-8255 or text us your questions at five seven five zero zero. Next listener, Ton said they treated their maple this spring by pouring liquid iron all around the root spread. It looked greatly improved for a while, but now it's showing signs of iron chlorosis again with the veins showing dark green and brown spots. Can they treat it again right now? And then they want to know how often should they be applying iron?
2: Well, the iron should be applied annually, and there's a couple of schools of thought on when to apply it. The more popular one is in early spring, but there's a group of especially arborists that say to apply it in the fall when the leaves are dropping Hmm. because the roots will absorb it then and store it over the winter. And so if it's been having that many problems, I would probably apply some iron this fall and make sure that they get it under the entire canopy and then repeat that in the spring.
1: Okay. Next listener, Bobby in Riverton. Good morning, Bobby. What is your question? Good morning. First, thank
2: you for your show. I love it. And I listen and it's so helpful. Thank you we, so much. Thank you. We moved to Riverton about to the house we're in about four years ago.
1: We, there's several fruit trees. There's an apricot apricot tree that just plethora of apricots, very large the first summer. Then the second summer, no apricots. Third summer, no apricots. And my husband, I think he pruned it, but we are not avid fruit tree pruner people. <laughs> and this summer, we have teeny tiny, like the size of a giant marble apricots, and there's not near as many as the first summer. Did we maybe damage something by the way we pruned it?
2: Well, the tiny fruit has been a common theme this summer between apricots and peaches. And do you okay. know, when you were getting the big apricots, were they the size of a small peach?
0: Yes, they were okay. very large and nice so and you beautiful. We probably
2: and have a variety called Moore Park, and okay. it does need to be thinned. And so, especially with last year, it was probably drought-stressed the summer heat and not thinning it probably caused a lot of the fruit to be really small. And so what Mm -hmm. I would recommend doing are the fruit trees being irrigated by lawn sprinklers or are they on their own? Lawn sprinklers. Okay. So once every three or so weeks, because Harriman has fairly clay soil. So at every three weeks I would just take the hose and put a hose in sprinkler on it and run it under those trees for an extra half hour to 45 minutes and then next year when the fruit sometime in early to mid-June when the fruit's about the size of a pea Mm -hmm. or to a small dime I would thin it so that there's one fruit for every six inches of branch.
1: Okay okay we will do that thank you so much thank you for your show again. Thank you so much for your call this morning Number to text us, your questions, five seven five zero zero. We have Anne on the line in Clearfield. Good morning, Ann. What was your question? Yes, my snowball bush is just covered with wasps. They're crawling all over the leaves. I don't know why.
2: Does your snowball bush, I mean, it's not like you can just go out and rub the leaves right now, but are the leaves covered in aphids?
1: I couldn't see anything. There was a little bit of ash-looking powder on the leaves, maybe.
2: Okay, but the leaves are not curled up. They look fairly normal? No. Okay. They look fairly normal. Well, uh, are the wasps, do you see a nest anywhere? Uh,
1: I had had wasp problems before, but they were in the eaves of the house. So I okay. if, if there's a nest, that's probably where they are.
2: Are they on the tree in the evening?
1: I haven't noticed that.
2: Okay, because they could be going there for just protection from the sun or something. And unfortunately, if you can't get to the nest, it becomes a lot harder to control them. And so Uh you could try getting some traps and putting them near the bush. And you probably want to get the two kinds of traps. Depending on the species of wasp and hornet and things, some of them are attracted to sugars and some are attracted to protein. And so you'd want to get baits for both and then hang them in the evening when the wasps aren't there near there to see if you can track them in that way. Okay.
1: I just want, if they were doing something good, as sometimes do, I didn't want to kill them if, you know, if they're Well, beneficial. if it's
2: just out in the back 40 and they're not bothering anybody, they're not stinging anybody when you're mowing the lawn, you could leave them. But if you have somebody in the in the family that's allergic to wasps and bee stings, it would justify uh-huh. controlling them. And so it just depends on the situation.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your help. All right, Ann. thanks for your call this morning. We're going to break in just a second for the bottom of the hour news, but I want to take a second and go to Mark and Holiday first. Uh, Mark, good morning.
0: Good morning. I have an observation. I've noticed, because I do it myself, the higher you cut your grass, the less water it takes. There's more photosynthesis going on. And to a limited extent, because my grass is high, it's actually choking out field bindweed that exists in the turf. So I see these people with short turf and they use a lot more water. If you cut it longer, it's cheaper to maintain it and it looks better.
2: Yeah, that it does. No doubt about it. Yeah. We always encourage people to mow it about three inches and the thicker turf, it doesn't eliminate bindweed, but you have far less of it than you would if cutting it really short. And, I really quick, I saw a picture on a gardening Facebook page. Someone's saying, How can I get the bit of the bindweed in my lawn? It was mowed way short, it was super thin. And everyone was commenting, Mow, let the grass grow, water more normally to turn it so it's healthy. But yeah, I, it's true what you're saying.
1: Mark, thanks so much for your call this, this morning. Number to call with your questions 801 575 8255. You can text us 57500.
0: Let's dig around town with KSL Greenhouse.
1: Check out a self-sustainable food forest on Saturday, August 19th from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Utah Valley Permaculture Gardens. See thousands of plants, more than 100 fruit trees, and seven kinds of berries. Find out more about the 9th Annual Tour and Taste Open House at permaculturedesignschool.org. If you have wanted to switch to drip irrigation, find out how with the experts at Conservation Garden Park on Thursday, August 24th at 6 p.m. Register at conservationgardenpark.org. Learn which perennials will provide great fall color in your yard with Weber Basin water on Saturday, August 26th at 9 a.m. Selecting the right plants will help you conserve water while creating a beautiful landscape. Register at weberbasin.gov. Now a look at this week's quick tip.
2: It's the time of year again that trees start showing symptoms of summer heat stress. These symptoms include leaves scorching and leaves dropping to the ground from the inner canopy of the tree. These patterns mimic vascular wilt diseases... But the reason you know that they are not is that the trees relief normally the next spring. To minimize summer heat stress, be sure that trees are watered to a depth of 18 to 24 inches. And for trees planted in the lawn, deep water them once or twice a month, in addition to what your sprinklers already do.
1: You can also find the Dig Around Town calendar and more fun gardening info at kslnewsradio.com slash greenhouse.
0: A gun in the face.